bro said he was smoking cigars, so let me see what he got going on. What's up? Yo, what up, bro? Huh? What up, bro? You're on the podcast. Oh, what's up? What's up? Shit. So what's up with these cigars? What kind of cigars? Uh, Cohiba. So those are uh, Dominican Republic, and then uh, I like uh, Drew Estates Java. Man, I'm, I've never uh, been able to, like, like a cigar. Like, I'll smoke a cigar, but there's no difference to me than smoking something, whatever you just said, or a black and mild. Like, they're pretty similar to me. Yeah, well, Drew Estates, the Java ones are, like, they got, like, chocolate and, and coffee kind of, like, flavoring, so I like those. All right, sure. Hey, but, hey, ain't nothing touching a motherfucking swish of sweet cigarello. Broke down with the guts dumped out. No, nothing come close to that. Nada, nada. What you got going on, man? How you living? How you feeling? Good. I feel good today. I'm uh, supposed to be out here watching the, my brother-in-law race, uh, India's sister. Race what? Foot race out in the park? Parks are closed, bro. Nah, he's on his uh, his bike. He's got a Jixxer 1000. Oh, a street bike? Yep. Uh, like bicycle? No, like a oh, bike. Oh, and he was supposed to race. Oh. Fuck all that, motherfucker. Man, he, he's nuts. Uh-uh, I, I, don't, I do not get down with that. Man, we, we off today. Cigars, not really my thing. This motherfucker racing a street bike out there. <laughs> We're likely to bust his damn head open. That's, that's not my thing, man. He's got, yeah, he's got the full jumpsuit, you know what I mean? Track suit and all that, so. My boy Stick, he, uh, he's all into... Well, it started with dirt bikes, like motocross type stuff, but he has a street bike, or he had a street bike. I don't know if he has it anymore. He was in England for a few years and just got back to this country a couple months ago. So I don't I don't think he has the street bike anymore, but, man, I've always been leery of that. I always thought that I was going to be an old man riding around with a Harley until I counted up all the car accidents I had been in, and none of them are my fault. I was like, damn, I've been in like 10 car accidents. And I, this, was, I, this was a few years ago. So I was, might, not even, right. might not even been 30 when, when I did that count. It was like eight or nine car accidents or some shit like that. I'm like, son of a bitch. And riding around Tucson, I ain't playing around with that shit. Ooh. We real hood in here. Ooh. Ooh. Static and all. I wrote a poem today. Straight out the basement. Recognize I'm not a fucking rapper. Oh, yeah. I'm a husband and a father and a bastard. All right. I got a brother that I never met. He passed away. His DNA, it lives in me. I hold that nigga up today. Hold up. This life a real motherfucker. Uh-huh. Phone disconnected at my grandfather's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I zipped him in that body bag. That really fucking happened. Gee, I know that's really fucking sad. What the fuck? But I'm up from the trailer park. Please excuse the blunt to spark and tell me how'd you fucking start. Black and white boy in a black and white world. And I'm never mixed up, nigga. Fuck what y'all heard. Fuck what you talking about. Nigga, fuck what y'all heard. I'm in my own lane. Never mind how I swerve. I really kind of glide with a pop in my curl. I'm a family man first, so you better heed the words. Family man, family man, I'm a gangster. What up, though? Family man, family man, I'm a gangster. Family man, up, family man, but I'm a gangster. Tell me who you fucking with and tell me what you think. What up, though? Woo! What is good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. And if I'm being completely honest, it's one of the one of the realest shits I ever wrote. You know, I, I play I play a few tracks here and there, all originals. Some of them 
completely original, all the way from scratch, uh, from my own my own bare hands. Uh, putting putting in a lot of work, regardless of regardless of what it, what anybody thinks. To try to make make everything sound real proper, but but when it comes down to that family, man, that's that's definitely one of the the truest shits I ever spoke. And all true, all true story. Yeah, it is. I am in fact a bastard to the literal sense of the 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 word. And I, I don't try to I don't try to mix words too often or speak. Uh, I speak in hyper, hyperbole here and there, just uh, you know, to to prove a point or for emphasis or for for entertainment's sake or for for the sake of the story. But I, the words involved, you know, are 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 for the most part used properly most of the time. And and I, I you know I was conceived out of wedlock. My parents were never married. You know, and you know more within that, I you know recognize I'm not a fucking rapper. I'm a husband and a father and a bastard. I got a brother that I never met. He passed away. Um, that's a story for another time. But I'm big bro. You know, my ma got six kids. My dad has has two more. So I'm, you know, total eight. So I'm the oldest of eight. And we all have, you know, different different levels of relationship. I'm 20 years older than my youngest brother. There are some, you know, some gaps, and hopefully we're all, you know, healthy enough to to live till we all get older and and can sit down and at the same table and just all converse. You know, as as everybody gets older, so I'm the oldest by by a significant amount, ten years. My ma's next child was born in in ninety five. My ma had boys in eighty five, ninety five, and oh five, right? So I'm. You know, there's 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 big gaps there. So, and then to the to the one who uh, who was to have been before me, you know, that's it, it's an odd feeling to walk around with sometimes. When 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 I first realized it and was able to acknowledge it, like oh shit, like I, I there's there's a there's a certain timeline in which I'm not big bro. You know, the 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 stamp on the space time continuum. It, 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 it took a different route. It took a different turn, you know? So with every every situation that one is presented with, there is the opposite outcome, you know? And who knows if those outcomes, you know, really come to come, come to be, you know? If, you're, if you think about the way I view life and and possibilities of, of afterlife and, and transcendence of a soul within somebody, you know, I... You know, maybe a little bit of uh, infinity theory mixed in where anything and everything is possible and it's happening all, all the time continually. You know, we can't even necessarily grasp infinity. But the uh, the concept of, you know, part of infinity theory of just the opposite thing happening, you know, so which which choice is going to get you in this life to a certain spot and what is happening throughout different uh, different spots and you know, of the transcendence of your soul, but, but yeah, and then there's there's a part in there. Please excuse the blunts of spoke. Uh, please excuse the blunts of spark, and tell me how do you fucking start? And that's like that's me asking you to to tell me your story. Like how'd you start? Like I'm I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested where people come from. You know, that way it helps me understand where they are. And what they may be inclined to do 
in the journey of where they're going. So I, I like to hear people's stories and see, see what I can relate to and see where we can't get, you know, scratch a little bit deeper beyond that, uh, that surface level stuff and see, you know, really more, more where we're all, where we are all alike, you know, and that starts with just hearing somebody out, you know, what, 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 what other bars we got in that, um, uh, I really kind of glad with a pop in my in my in my curl. <laughs> I'm a family man first, so you better heed the words. And then what well, before that? So I'm something about I'm in my own lane, gliding, something to that effect. But it's just I'm doing my own thing. You know, you don't need to necessarily worry about when I'm out here doing my thing because I got that. It's mine. I got it. Don't worry about it. You know, and and you feel. You feel free to go ahead and do, do your thing. And at the same time, I'm going I'm to have a pop in my curl. You know, these natural curls ain't going nowhere. So I'm, I'm going to look fly while I'm doing it too. You know? And then the, the chorus is, is kind of family man, family man. I'm a gangster. Tell me who you fucking with and tell me what you thinking. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a family man, like first and first mostly. So I'm, like I'm gonna make it home, and if you turn that to a higher degree, we'll, we'll see where it ends up. Like I had a dude one time. I was walking to my car after real estate school, and this dude, like it was, it was. I took the night class, so every weekdays from it was like six to nine thirty or ten every night. In the late late spring, moving into summer, I'm in real estate school, so I'm walking to my car every night, you know. And I parked like the parking lot was packed. It was a small parking lot, but it was also a packed class. Forty five, fifty people in there, easily maybe sixty. So I just parked on the shared parking lot that was kind of you go behind a building. If you know Tucson, it's on Grand Alvernon. It's the Hogan School of Real Estate, and if you're from Tucson. You know what I mean when I say Grand Alvernon. If you're not from Tucson, look up Tucson Grand Alvernon, and you'll see you'll see some wild ass shit. So there's just just this hood ass apartment complex right behind the School of Real Estate, and then the mattress. So it's the School of Real Estate, this mattress company, mattress firm, or whatever. Some it's actually a bootleg knockoff mattress store. So who knows what they got going on really at the back door of that place, and then this hood ass apartment complex like behind it on Grant and Alvernon, and then down, like, the next closest thing is is a, is a Mexican restaurant. So I'm just walking to my car. I'm the last one out of class. When we wrap up every night, I take my time, like, loading up my, my backpack, just getting my things together, maybe BSing a little bit with a couple of people that sit around me, say a little whoop wop to the instructor of the night because they actually they did a very good job the way that they, the way they operate the, the real estate school I went to. So I'm always just the last one. I let the cars kind of escape the parking lot, let, let everybody do their thing, and I'm just, I'm just chilling. So, so I'm walking in my car. I'm the last car in the parking lot, but I'm also the furthest car away, and the real estate school is it's already like it's shut down. I'm a parking lot away because you got to go behind this mattress company to get to that their parking lot. But it was the same, same set of real estate. The same dude owned it, uh, so we were all good to park over there. It was considered overflow parking. But I'm good. I got my backpack on, walking to my car, and this dude he starts he cuts off 
the sidewalk. I'm a good 50, 60 yards off the, off the street, so off the sidewalk, off Grant. <clears throat> and this dude starts, he cuts off the sidewalk and starts just walking towards me. And he, he looked like a motherfucker from Grant and Alvernon. So I'm just like, all right, bro. He, he like, kind of hollered, hey, hey, and, like, kind of put his hands up, like, what's up, like, pointing at me. And I don't care. At this point, I don't care what you have to say. Like, I don't fuck around over here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's going the fuck home, and I'm going to make it home. So depending on how you react to my reaction is where this is going to go. So I reached in my, in my pocket. It was a cargo pocket. So I kind of, he saw me dip and pull my hand out. And I grabbed, I had a knife in my pocket. So I pulled my pocket knife out. But all he saw, it was dark. He already, all he saw was me reach and then come back up. And I didn't turn. I didn't say, I didn't say a word. I don't have anything to say to you, bro. I don't know you over here. I'm not fucking with you over here. And you all be goddamned if you're going to fuck with me over here. I'm getting to my car, and then we're going to have a much, a much different different turn of events depending on your rate of speed and how fast like you're trying to close on me. So let's see what you want to do when I reach. And so like initially, it was I let go of my keys to reach for the blade. I didn't want to like open the car door. This is the shit I think about. Like this was all going on just in like kind of regular motion in my head. I'm like, okay, well, if I unlock the car, he could be lying to the car. And he's going to beat me to the car, and I can't have him beat me to the car. I know he don't know where to go in the car, but I can't have him get to the car before me if this escalates. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm still beelining towards my car, but I'm looking at him with a knife in hand. And it's a pretty – I got a pretty big blade. At the time, I had a pretty big blade on me at the time. Like, it's, it was a pocket knife, but it was, it was an intimidating pocket knife. And when he saw me come back up and still walking towards the car, like, I'm getting to my car, bro, and we can really try that if you want, but – you know, my wife and son and my mother-in-law are waiting for me, and I'm I'm making it home to my fucking son. Uh, you you better damn believe it. He uh, he kind of threw both hands up like uh, 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 and like waved me off and just started. He just turned it back around, about face, back to the sidewalk, and you know went about his night on Grand Alvernon. But that's that's kind of what I'm talking about in that track. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me, but all those things, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And I love, I just love making music. I've always been around music. <clears throat> Damn, excuse me. Damn. Everything feels okay. Excuse me. But I've always been like involved in music, around music. I remember being just a little, little boy. I couldn't have been much older than four. I, I'll be damned if I was in kindergarten yet. But elementary school age or younger, like my grandparents took me to this like African band. I don't, I don't remember where they're from. I don't have the pamphlet anymore. But you know, Congo drums, choir singing acapella stuff solos i remember that concert it was it was really dope it was in a very small hall 
And knowing my grandparents, it was probably in Bloomington. Uh, it might have been at a church. I don't remember. I'm not even going to try to say I remember something like that. But we never went, we never went too far. But just going to, to concerts. My mom, she sings. She's always sang her ass off. Like We had just music on a lot, country music, hip-hop music. It was an interesting blend. And I was always just in, in music class or choir. You know, and involved in choir, you know, in the in the octets, in the quartets, you know, singing duets. Uh, I had I had a few solos, not as many as I would have liked, but you know, when, when I, I try to look back on on myself in high school, why I didn't get more solos in choir? You know, one that's a, that's a funny thought, that's a funny thing to say out loud, fucking choir choir nerd. But it was, you know, I was I was fucking up, like I was I was I was the misled youth. You know, that's why every day I'm very grateful to be to be where I'm at. But like the music is in me. Like I lettered in choir in high school and I love and I can't play a damn instrument. Like the you know all the hip hop beat I've never played anybody else's beats, hip hop songs. So I, I've only played my music on this and maybe only one of those tracks came from from Nate's beats, one of the homies from Minnesota. I've known him for a very long time. Uh, I used to fuck with his brother real hard, and then later on in life, me and Nate, you know, we just we just became cool, and we just we there's just a, a mutual friendship, uh, respect as dads. Um, but yeah, so but original Nate's beats, and I think it was only one I've played, but everything else has been mine. And then Abe's Bones got an exclusive performance. Um, that podcast was dope. She saw God, I saw God too. I think it's episode eighteen. Uh, go back and fuck with my man James. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give him a shout. See how he's doing. Maybe get him back through the basement. And then everything else has been has been myself. So, yeah, one Nate's beats, three Abe's Bones songs, including one live one live performance. Uh, I have to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to give y'all something in the water. Yeah, no doubt. I'm gonna have to give y'all that one. Okay. May I? I can go whenever. All right, this song is called There Must Have Been Something in the Water. Feel it when I cannot hear I was speaking to birds and insects Making phone calls to friends I don't see Driving two hours to stand in your shower Hide from all I didn't want to be But, oh, you didn't have answers Just guesses and Jane to succeed I took all I wanted You lost all your berries, babe Sold for the price of a seed mm, I heard you look crazy in the moonlight And in daylight your shadow is clear I heard your voice, it sounds like thunder Oh, I can feel it when I cannot hear There must have been something in the water It's liquor, it's sadness, it's weed Driving to 
shout It's a baptism I really need Oh, you stole all my clothes, babe There was no good way to be I took all I wanted You lost all your berries I was sold for the price of a seed for you just 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 a little taste so and then everything else has just been me and sharing a few beats and the beats are getting better i'm learning more about the the mixing process and how to apply certain things to certain instruments and 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 really make the mixes sound right so the beats are are getting better i don't have as much time as i as i like just in general so it's pretty difficult to get out there and make some beats but but again like i play no instruments i just choir so it's just knowing and understanding audio levels and being involved around music. Like Eau Claire, Wisconsin has this wild music scene. We were weird-ass kids hanging out in fields, cornfields, just farm fields, people's land, out on the ski jumps in the summertime. Just hanging out, smoking weed. Somebody always had a guitar, you know, around about the campfires out on somebody's land. Just, Just, you know, that Eau Claire life doing the damn thing but music was heavily 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 part ingrained in the in the Eau Claire Eau Claire culture and it's its own it's its own sound and to really sum up like the sound of Eau Claire to me like bone bone ivor bone ivor I, I really feel like Justin Vernon is being pretentious if he's ever said bone ivor I don't know but I ain't saying it I know bro I've, I've hooped with bro before <laughs> so so but Eau Claire has this this sound, and there's just people from Eau Claire being kids from Eau Claire. It's it's interesting, but but yeah, but the time sake. So if I had more time, I would do it. But it's it's difficult. I got it. T- it takes turning this podcast around. It takes time and precious precious time. Time is like my most valued essence of of this being of life. Like. This life we live, time, it's finite. We watch it run out. We watch people decay around us and in front of us. And we watch people's lives get cut short, sometimes extremely short. You know, and So time is precious. So I value it and I want it as much of it as I can for, for certain and specific things. Again, my four pillars that I stand upon. I don't do things that don't move the needle in my family my wellness, my finances, and causes that I care about, all right? And there are, are nuances and, and variabilities to where they can all flow into each other. Each one can can stand on its own, but 
So I, I, I got to put my time in certain places to really maximize, you know, my overall mental health and well-being of life. Like I, I tried to not waste as much time on bullshit as possible. So time is very important to me. And, you know, I also I love giving away time as well to, to certain things and certain people and certain, certain groups when the time is right. And it all just has to has to come into place. But as far as the Granddad's Basement podcast, this is just a complete and entire listening experience with the with the soundtrack of my life playing in the background. You know, and 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 I got friends who join me along the way to have a good time and and tell their stories. And I want to hear y'all stories. You know, that's that's why I like, you know, a few of these episodes where uh a person who shall rename remain nameless went deep. Bob, Bob Ditko went deep, you know. Misa cutting went deep. Fabian last 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 episode went went deep, man. And in fact, stats stats would suggest that some of you bailed on on that episode. Just not not everybody listens opening to end. Even though I give you a complete listening experience from beginning to end. But uh, so I'm I'm gonna run back the end of Bro's episode where he goes in about his experience in the hospital with with the with the coronavirus and just his words and, and resiliency are, are important. Like they're very important to hear and to resonate. And, and also go back and listen to that whole episode as a whole. Speaking of resiliency, Fabian has lived a life, things that, that break many, many people. He's one who's able to just internalize and come to self realizations and revelations and get himself to a much better place than what life was handing him at first in the beginning, you know? So, but before running that back, just kick, everybody kick back and utilize this time, this precious, precious time that some of us are getting back, are, are being given, you know, while there's a give and take, you know, we're, we're given a little bit of time right now, and we can utilize that time to instill new disciplines. You know, make you know, make make some positive life changes. You know, there's few reasons for excuses for so many people right now. You know, whether that be dietary changes, weight management, learn a new language. You know. Learn some Ebonics. I encourage each and every one of you to learn Ebonics. Also, use this time to talk to your partner or the person who's most important to you in your life and to get on the same page and just utilize this precious time for good. You know, things are temporarily fucked. All right? That is what it is. We have to, have to just kind of accept it. And, you know, those acting outwardly, risking public health, your personal health, you know, there's some type of fear involved in that, you know, fear of learning about and getting to a point where you can accept yourself. So I encourage everybody to, to just be and stay present, be mindful and be thoughtful. It's realizing we're, we can only control the things that we can actually control. What time you go to sleep, what time you wake up, your hygiene levels. Those are the things that are within your control. You know, if your car ran out of gas, you were, you most of the time had some type of control over that. 
your overall health, your diet. Those are things you can control. And there are other things you just can't, other people's actions. You know, state of the world. So take the time, that sweet, sweet, precious time to remain healthy, to get healthy, you know, to, to try and spread as much positivity around as we can, you know, and, and I like my day to day isn't terrible. All right. It's, it's, I'm in a certain position and situation that I can, you know, maximize you know these stay at home orders that that a lot of us are on you know I, I wake up i get some time with my sons we do breakfast we play outside the baby goes down for a nap i play with the older one one on one he gets a little bit bit of lunch he goes down for a nap baby wakes up he gets a little bit to eat we hang out just play the older one gets up you know by that time mommy's off work then daddy goes to work. So middle middle of the afternoon, man, I'm I'm jamming out whatever I need to get done, you know, from from two to five, five thirty or so. So I get a solid three hours of work in, uh, jam appointments in there if need be, file plan, and then I work from from three to five, five thirty, family dinner, get the kids, you know, bath time if it's bath night, get them uh, get them to bed. And then I jam out like another hour of work from seven to eight, if need be. All right. And then it's 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 rinse, dry, repeat. You know, clean the kitchen in there every night, clean the house, you know, keep keep things, keep things clean. So so a lot of people got it got it way worse. Way worse than 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 we got it going on over here at Rain Manor. All right. And you know, and and we're healthy. I'm healthy. We we try to keep it that way. So like personally, I'm not concerned for my myself with the coronavirus right but there's definitely something out there devastating our species all right and we we don't know how to handle it so my household's doing our part we're staying home as much as possible i got limited client interactions you know i had somebody uh, uh, this was a, a client first time meeting them came up to shake my hand I'm like hey man sorry man I'm I'm practicing social distancing I'm doing my absolute best over here to do our part like our kids daycare is open but we got our kids home like we're you know to free up that the time those positions for people who who actually need it you know just we're doing our part social distancing so respect that you know and I feel I feel no form of overreach I think it, we're underreaching at this point as, as far as a society and, and government actions. Like I don't, I feel no overreach. Some of you are so scared of yourself, you know, and, or getting to know yourself, you know, or so blatantly stupid that you're acting as though there's, there's not a lethal sickness, which just arrived that we know little, very little about uses some people as a bridge to get to and kill other people. And no one on the planet seems to have any type of immunity to it. So fuck anything you're saying for the time being besides stay at home. Okay? And shout out to Kathy Bryce for recruiting me, recruiting me into the coalition against biting your fingernails back in 1996. All right? I used to, I was a habitual nail biter as a kid. 
And Kathy Bryce was the only person who really got on me for that. And then by the time I joined the United States Air Force in 2004 at basic training, like, you're gritty. You're down getting, like, real, real dirty, visibly dirty. And I saw my nails, besides all the actual bacteria from from picking your nose and being a kid, eating lunches, playing slap ass, playing sports, and, like, barely washing your hands, scratching your nuts, scratching your ass and shit, just just growing up as, you know, an adolescent male, just being nasty and then going to bite your fingernails. You ain't washed your hands all damn day at school. Like, just nasty motherfuckers. And then, like, seeing the dirt in there, that, that, that phased me out of it. So I stopped, I stopped biting my fingernails in, in 2004. And I haven't, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I haven't clipped my fingernails since with a nail clipper. So, and, and everybody clip your, clip your damn fingers with, with a nail clipper. You know, make hand washing effective again. Put that on a hat. All right. But... Here's uh here's a new poem. I like it. We'll talk about it later. But y'all check this out. Everybody be cool. Check on a vet. Hug your loved ones. All right. Time is important. So peep the track and we're gonna run back a little bit of Fabian. Alright, y'all be cool. What up, Donnie B? Chill. Yo. <laughs> Life is good now. Up from the have-nots. It's real smooth, real clean when the rain stops. Holler out what up, though. Every time you see me. Please excuse the blunt I smoke. You know I gotta be me. And if you know me, then you know it's always love. Flowing in the basement, bobbing heads with my sons. I'll show you what to vibe. I'll show you when to ride. I'll show you where to glide and bro. I'll show you who to slide. I'll show you my whole life and you can always ask me why. But what I really want to show you is what it's like to be alive. Be alive. Be alive, live, live. All the smiles and the frowns and you die, die, die. In between it all, then we shine, shine, shine. Then we shine, shine, shine. Hey! Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. 14 bars. 14 bars. Made my point. That's it. I, I, I know when it's time to leave. You know, I don't want to overstay my welcome. What up, stick? What up, ma? What up, bandits? What up, Odins? What up, Reigns? Oh shit, Fabian's in the hospital and yeah. this shit's real and I got to see your wife speak and she she was so heartfelt. It was, you know, a short little snippet, but you know, just you could tell like how big of an issue this was and they got your you you posted up there on the ventilator like, "Oh fuck, this shit is serious." So so break into that. You're talking, you know, if your wife used to work in the medical field and making $11 an hour and now what are your thoughts on that like the the hard work that you got to see from the inside like they should probably be making more money, but what was your experience? You know, you you're you're not feeling well, go to the doc and bam, coronavirus. Oh, okay, you yeah, yeah, let's let's jump to corona, man. Let's uh the COVID-19 uh the pandemic of 2020, brother. Um, so uh, I'll give you a quick rundown. It's not a long story. I know I've been going on and on. Um, so here's where we'll start, man. It was Saturday the 21st uh, last month. Mm-hmm. 
my oldest, he crawled up the stairs on his hands and knees crying, telling me that his body hurt mm. and he had a tummy ache. And I'm like, wow, I mean, I understand the stomach ache, but how come he can't walk and why does his body ache and why is he on his hands and knees coming up the stairs? You know, he's crying to me, dad, I'm fucked. You know, he don't talk like that. Dad, I don't feel good. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you know, this whole, this whole coronavirus thing had already started going on, you know, keeping people at the house, quarantined, uh, social distancing, all that. So Saturday morning, I called him up for breakfast. Um, I'm real strict around the house, so the kids got to get up early. We got chores to do. They got reading to do before they're allowed to play video games, uh, things like that. So I got them up nice and early like we do on Saturday. Um, I don't got time to be wasting days, and I'm trying to teach my boys some different type of work ethic that I didn't learn until later. So at any rate, Fabian come up the stairs, crying and crawling on his hands and knees, talking about his body hurt and he can't eat. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, I had heard young kids are finally maybe getting this here and there. You know, not a lot, but kids are getting this damn virus. So I'm shit. I'm like, Fabian, uh, whatever makes you comfortable. If you want to lay down in your room, if you want to watch TV or pill, whatever you want to do, um, just relax. Uh, I put down my daughter, Liliana, and Enoch, get them set up with their cereal. Uh, you know, it's time to eat. Uh, let's, let's get up in our chairs. Um... Liliana takes a half a bite and pushes her bowl away. Enoch looks at his bowl for about five minutes and he don't even make a move on it. And I'm like, oh, chop, chop, let's have some breakfast. What y'all doing over here? Um, they didn't feel good. Um, my little girl goes, daddy, it might tell me. And I'm like, oh, no. And then Enoch gets up off his chair. He goes, dad. I don't know if I'm going to puke or if I'm going to shit. I'm like, Enoch, you don't talk like that, bro. <laughs> he actually said, he actually said shit. I'm like, oh, man, I got to watch my mouth around these kids. No. Um, all three kids laid up all Saturday. They didn't eat one goddamn meal at all. At all. And I'm watching them closely, and I'm like, well, here we go. Sunday, I got to take them in. Uh, we got to go find out if my kids got this shit. Uh, we got to find out what's going on. I'm freaked the fuck out. Hell yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday morning happens. All three kids are a hundred percent. All three. Dad, I'm hungry. You know, they didn't eat the day before on Saturday. Man, I'm hungry. Dad, what's for breakfast? You know, they, they, they got up before me. They was hungry as hell. All three of them. And I'm like, whoo, you know, no more tummy aches. They never had a fever or nothing. Uh, no more tummy aches. The kids are good. I get them set up, I feed them. My wife, she takes care of me, I'm a spoiled ass. Um, she never makes breakfast though. She decided, you know what, let me do my man a favor with us some breakfast. She makes me this bomb ass uh, sirloin steak breakfast. Steak and eggs, uh, green chili. We pick our own green chili every year. We go to our little farm. Uh, I teach my boys a little work ethic. Um, we usually hang out, you know, in the air conditioning a little bit. We listen to some Mexican music, mm-hmm. eat some sausage and crackers and fresh chili. But we go down to the farm every year. So so I'm over here, man, about to tear down this big-ass breakfast. Steak and eggs, green chili, you know what I'm saying? Tortillas and shit, bro. I'm ready to go. I take two bites, and I stand up, and I run for the toilet. And I'm like, man, I barely made it. Sat down, bro, and I've got diarrhea, right? 
Um, I come out of there. It was like a tequila night. I didn't think it was a, a big thing at first. It was just like a tequila night where you get up the next day with the squirts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, my tummy's a little weird. I'm not going to be able to finish this amazing breakfast. <clears throat> so I wrap it up and put it in the fridge. Two hours later, I'm, I'm back in the bathroom. Two hours after that, I'm back in the bathroom. So Sunday, I had severe diarrhea and I had to call in to work. Now, mind you, I'm a good worker. I never fucking call in, ever. So I call in Sunday. Uh, Monday comes through. I'm still shitting all over myself. Luckily, I'm making it to the toilet. I'm not stackling the wall. You know what I'm saying? I got to be careful when I'm sneezing, cross my legs and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Monday, I got severe diarrhea. Tuesday, I got severe diarrhea. Haven't eaten in three days. Wednesday comes around. It's my fourth day of not eating and me shitting all over myself, peeing out of my ass. Um, I'm like, okay, I need to hit the urgent care. I need to get some anti-diarrheals or some shit. I don't know what you call it, but I need my doctor to know I got diarrhea four days. I've never had that in my life. I'm like, I need to get something, you know, some pills or something. So I go into the urgent care, um, because that's the only way to be seen with this pandemic going on. They don't want you setting appointments. They want phone appointments for stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm not here for this. Uh, virus. I've got severe diarrhea and I need some anti-diarrhea diarrhea. I don't know what the fuck it is. But they're like, okay, Mr. McIntosh, you have a seat. They get me in and they listen to you. You know, they always kind of do a checkup when you go to the doc. So they listen to my lungs and they decide, you don't sound good. Let's take some x-rays of your lungs. So they took some x-rays and they discovered that I had severe pneumonia. Mm. And they said, sir, you need to get down to the hospital tonight. You need to go into the emergency room. You know, And I was at urgent care at the time at Kaiser, just a small office building. They had me hang out there. They caught the uh, severe pneumonia, and they put me on oxygen right away. So I sat there for about an hour on oxygen. Um, they took the pictures of my lungs, discovered the severe pneumonia, and they said, sir, you need to get your ass over to the emergency room hospital right now. You've got severe pneumonia. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, I get down there. Um, I believe they waited a day. Uh, they test me for the virus, um, and I come back positive for COVID-19. Um, at any point, so, so, so I'm at the hospital. They diagnosed me with COVID-19. The next day... Um, I'm still on oxygen, but it hurts to breathe. My chest is getting tight. Mm. And I felt like I just took a giant bomb rip of some, of some, you know what I'm saying, some Northern Lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like I just got did a dab, and I couldn't hardly breathe. And I'm like, damn, my chest is tight. When I breathe in real deep, it's a sharp, sharp pain in my upper chest. Mm. Um, and this is, like I said, I'd just been diagnosed, and they said, listen, uh, Fabian, you're not, your oxygen is all fucked up. They had me pushed up to 10 and 12 liters of oxygen, which is a lot. Mm. Um, so I'm sucking down 12 liters of oxygen and I'm not doing any better. So they said, sir, you're getting worse. We need to put you on a ventilator. We need to do something called intubate you, which is putting down the feeding tubes and the breathing apparatus down into my stomach. And they said, well, we have to do this because you're not breathing enough 
and your body's not going to do it itself. Mm. So they put me on a ventilator. Uh, I was on it for four or five days. Um, I got so bad to where they do something. So, so something I didn't know, which come to find out is all the time is if you're laying on your stomach or you're sleeping on your stomach, you have less pressure on your lungs Mm -hmm. and your body absorbs and processes your oxygen a lot better. So while I had these tubes in my throat and in my face, um, they flipped me onto my stomach and they said, you're fucked up. We're going to knock you out. We're going to sedate you. We're going to, you know, basically like a mini coma. Whoa. So they put me out for, for about 24 to 36 hours. Damn. Uh, as they kept me sedated, I didn't wake up for a day and a half. Um, I started waking up. And I'm still kind of fucked up. My oxygen's still going through the roof. I'm still at 12 liters. And they said, sir, we don't have official paperwork, but um, I need you to write on this whiteboard and you need to let me know if you want to concede. And uh, it's basically a waiver. Do you you agree to try this medication that we got? And I'm on my fucking deathbed. I'm stressed out. Um, Come to find out, um, I got tested probably about four or five years ago and come to find out I have a mild form of PTSD because of the way I grew up, Mm -hmm. uh, selling drugs, carrying weapons, getting beaten by my brother. Um, I had a mild form of PTSD. So I'm freaked out in the hospital. Um, I had a dream, you know, two of them while I was there and one before I went in when I had diarrhea at the house. I had these dreams that I was dying and my family was wrapping their arms around my neck telling me goodbye. So my mentor is starting to play games with me. Mm-hmm. Um, here I am in the hospital alone. I've been diagnosed with this, with this virus that's killing people. And they can't come and visit me. My family can't come and tell me goodbye. So I'm all alone. I'm on a ventilator and I'm literally dying. I'm literally dying. Um, while I was intubated, they only had me knocked out for 36 hours and they woke me back up. So I was still chilling in the hospital bed on the ventilator for another three days. So probably around two thirty, three each morning, alarms would start going off in the intensive care unit. Cause I'm in intensive care at this point and I'm hearing room alarms going off and there's literally almost damn near sound like armies of doctors and nurses running down the fucking hallway two, three, four in the morning, running to people's rooms to help save them. Mm. Um, these intensive care rooms, when these alarms are going off, they're loud. There's, there's bright lights. Um, it's, it's not like a police light per se, but there's lights that are kind of rotating in a circular fashion. You know what I mean? Um, Emergency lights for sure. So here I am stuck, but I'm awake and I can see this going on and I can hear these footsteps of the nurses, doc. Sorry, man, I get a little choked up. No, you're giving um, me chills too, man. This is like what really, really made me want to get it. When I read you say something on one of those threads on Facebook, I was like, oh, God damn. Bro, hearing these fucking nurses and doctors, doc running down the hallway, trying to save people's lives. And here I am all alone. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, I was on my deathbed, bro. I was going to die in that bitch. And, you know, I'm watching these doctors. They got my blinds up because I'm in intensive care. They got to keep a close eye on me. And they got the blinds up. And the city's poor, first responding-ass people. Oh, hold on, I'm spitting on myself for shit. Um, you know, I'm seeing these people, man, after they shift, putting their heads in their hands, and I see the nurses crying and holding each other, you know, whether, you know, and they're still in their protective, you know, personal protective equipment. And to see these people crying, I'm like, there's something wrong here. You know what I mean? Um, people are dying right next to me, dog. Mm. Uh, uh, Let me regroup Um, There's people dying right next to me You know what I'm saying And I'm seeing these people at the end of their days And how they're feeling and how they're functioning Uh, One of the nurses was hella cool As I was getting better And I, you know, I didn't know and, And I never put it together But a lot of these nurses Had set up you know, next to their cars in the parking garage, they made little makeshift, uh, you know, camping and hanging out areas. What they were doing, bro, is between shifts, they didn't want to go home to their own family because they don't want to take this shit home. Mm. You know what I mean? They're basically working in a COVID unit. It's not just ICU. It's basically converted to a COVID-19 virus unit. Basically, every last person in there was hooked up to machines. Uh, They were intubated, which I was. And these nurses and doctors, they got lawn chairs between their cars. They're posted up. They're spending the night in their vehicles, bro, because they don't want to go home and risk quarantining or taking this virus home to their families. So these nurses and doctors, man, um, I've never developed such an appreciation for first responders and people as quickly as I did in this scenario. It's powerful, Um, yeah. It's it's unreal to me, man, um, what they're doing and the sacrifices they're making. They're not going home, you know, for their week at a time while they're on the clock, and then they get home and disinfect, and they take their two days off, and they quarantine themselves away from their family and kids because they don't know if they're going to catch it or if they're going to get it working in that unit, you know? Um, it blew my mind, bro, and it opened my eyes to the fact that, um, okay, first of all, I just got done. They just woke me up. I still got these tubes and shit in me. And then I started seeing all this chaos and people dying around me. And I think to myself, you know, myself, since I gave up religion, I started doing some research into my own epistemology and things. I've accepted death probably about eight, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I became one with it. I understand, and in my beliefs, in my worldview, there is no fucking afterlife. There's no way I'm going to be able to go back and see all these people up at the pearly gates and make everything better. So I've got to do the best I can while I can to make the best life for me and my family right now. Um... So with that being said, I was like, you know what, man? I'm crying in my bed to myself, freaked out. I'm all alone. I'm crying. And I'm thinking about what if I die? I'm going to be gone for my kid's life. 
And whether it's a divorce and you leave somebody or whether you're dead, the fact remains is you're still gone. And I thought to myself, what's going to happen to my oldest? You know, my six-year-old, she's going to learn to get over that daddy's gone and, and it's not going to be so hard. But Fabian is 11. And he's where I was at when things were going horribly wrong in my life as a child. So I'm freaked out. I'm crying, thinking when I die, because I'm going to die in here, you know? how What's going to happen to Fabian? Is he going to rebel? He's a big kid for his age, you know, he's healthy. Um, he's taking class, you know, some karate. Uh, he's not a violent kid. He wanted to quit karate. He made about eight or nine belts. And they came to sparring, and he don't want to spar because he don't want to hit nobody. Yeah, his sense of self-preservation <laughs> is amazing. He don't want nobody to hit him, so he quit karate. <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, here's my little boy. He's strong. He he He's a little bit rough. Um, I'm a, I'm a hard father. I'm very disciplined on my kids. And I'm crying to myself thinking, what's going to happen? Is Fabian going to join a gang? Is he going to turn, you know, find some friends? You know, he's in fifth grade now. Um, when I'm in seventh grade, you know, eighth grade, I'm finding pills in people's freezer that we're going to sell. So all the worst starts hitting me. Fabian, is he going to join a gang? Is he going to rebel against his mother? Um, what's going to happen? And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, you know, still crying to myself. I'm like, I, I got to stop. I can't have this. I, I, I can't die in here because who knows what's going to happen to my boys. I know my wife's a gangster. She'll hold it down. She'll raise these kids. But what's going to happen to my babies without their dad? And I, I went from being depressed and heartbroken and scared to being woken up, I'm sitting up finally, still got these tubes in me, but I'm like, you know what, this isn't going to happen the way that they think it is or that I don't know who thinks what, but this can't happen. I'm not going to die in this fucking room. So I started thinking about other shit and changing my mindset, and uh, I'm back too. You know, I've been woken up for a day. Facebook and that, I'm not really on IG or nothing. Facebook is like my little outlet. I know. Um, I jump on. I start messaging with people. Uh, I got a handful of my own groups. You know, I started the hip hop group. It's kind of small, but it's my group. I got a. I monitor it. I look at everybody posts. Uh, I got another meme group. Uh, Two thousand people in it. You know, I got six admin that help me out. Um, I help start and I run the beer group. There's a Carl's beer group. Um, I'm admin for that. You know, it's like my little shit because I work nights, you know, I don't do a whole lot. I surf, man, you know, I get bored and I surf. So that's my little outlet. And I start, you know, I wake up and they say, Fabian, you're on the news. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I look up and there I am. Um, come to find out, my cousin decided, hey, Fabian's in trouble. I'm going to set up a GoFundMe for him and his family. They did this without my permission. I'm a, I'm a hard ass. I don't ask nobody for help. I don't ask nobody for shit. And I'm like, you know, uh, there's a GoFundMe for me, and I'm on the fucking, I'm on Fox 31 News, and I, I finally catch it. It's a little, you know, two-minute clip. I seen my wife on there. I seen her choked up. I seen pictures of me and my family, and I can't talk. I got these tubes in my throat. Mm. 
and I'm seeing all this shit and I'm like, here I am, you know, this is, this is reality and this is what's going on. And I start seeing, you know, I start fucking around and looking around and I start seeing all this support. Um, people are reaching out to me that, you know, were my friends years ago that I don't fuck with no more. Um, I look onto the, to the GoFundMe. I'm like, Whoa, you know, they raised $3,000 in like two days. You know, my cousin put a limit. He just said, you know, let's try to, you know, let's get some help. Let's get $5,000 to help you and your family. So they said, you know, the goal is $5,000. Two days later, I see what's going on. I'm like, man, this is for real. I'm on the news. Somebody made a, a fundraiser for me. Um, and it's going through the roof. And I'm like, you know, I got all this going on. What's going to happen to my babies? So I start getting motivated. I started changing my mindset. I'm like, look, I've been through more than a lot of people have at 43 years old. And I, I, this ain't it. This isn't where I draw the line. This isn't where it's going to stop for me. I'm going to get better and I'm getting the fuck up out of here. So I start sitting up. There's no more laying down. I start sitting up. I start fighting with these motherfuckers because they make me want to use a bedpan. And I'm like, look, I don't care, you know, I can't talk to them, but I'm writing vigorously on a whiteboard. Fuck no. I'm not <laughs> shitting in a three-inch bucket and having you wipe my ass. I can stand. Least you can let me do is use the bedside commode. You know, it looks like a walker with a bit, at least it's like a 10-inch bucket. I'm not going to get as much splash back. I can wipe my own ass. I literally wrote them on the whiteboard. Fuck no, I ain't using the bedpan. Put me in the bedside. So they arguing with me. They trying. They you know, well, I don't know if we could do that. You're too weak. I wasn't gonna have it. So they started putting me in the bedside commode for for a day. Um, still got a little bit of the runs, but I'm getting IVs. I'm getting nutrients and shit at least. Uh, I wasn't gonna go backwards, dog. I wasn't gonna go out like that. This fucking virus. Isn't going to do this to me. And then I put up my first post, maybe my second. I don't remember about it. I'm a monster. No virus is going to take me out. I'm going to be coming home to you, Giovanna. So I put that up and people are like, fuck yeah, man, do that damn thing. And, you know, I'm reading comments and I'm like, I'm getting feisty. I'm like, fuck these guys. I ain't, you ain't wiping my ass. Yep. So I get motivated. I get motivated, man. I'm like, you know, and then they had me sign this little bullshit waiver. You want to try this experimental thing? And I'm like, fuck yes. I want to try anything I can to get me home to my family. So it's not even a real waiver. I basically wrote, I consent to your procedure on my little whiteboard. They took a picture of it from across the room so they didn't have to waste no PPE. And they gave me, they came in with a new IV. I don't even know what it was. I'm still looking through my paperwork. I don't know if it's that one that they're recommending, that one for malaria, mm -hmm. chlorosynthetic or other keen. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it well without looking at it. Me either. But I'm like, yeah, give it to me, you know? And next thing you know, dog, I start improving dramatically. Dramatically. They pull the tubes out after the fourth or fifth day. Mm. Um, you know, they bruise my esophagus. I got a smaller throat in there. These tubes and all this shit moving around, trying to walk with tubes in me, 
trying to move to go to the bathroom. All this movement is fucking me up on the inside a little bit. So I got a bruised esophagus right now. You know, it's kind of hard to swallow hard stuff like toast. Um, you know, I'm good with soft things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's real weird for me to tip my head all the way back to drink water. I got to kind of keep my head forward and kind of sip it down. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Um, but I changed my mindset, dog. I said, fuck all this. This ain't going to take me out. I started getting positive. I started getting feisty again. My old personality is coming back and seeing all this positivity coming back. People are, people are sending my wife gifts. They bring them my boxes. You know, they got, you know, my auntie, she makes burritos for them. She brings by a box of burritos and $200 for my wife in cash. And I start hearing about this shit and seeing all this love I'm getting and all this positivity. And I'm like, oh my God, people fucking love me. You know, I didn't really know. Hell yeah. Aside from my immediate family, I didn't think that people, yo, you see me online, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't got time to fuck with people's feelings. Um, I don't got time for a lot of bullshit. I'm a straight shooter. I don't beat around the bush. Um, and, you know, seeing all this love I got, even though I'm an asshole online, people were just loving me and loving me and loving me. And I'm like, holy fuck. Everybody cares. You know, people care, you know. Uh, and it just changed my mindset, bro. I got positive. I got feisty. I started sitting up. I started whipping this thing in the ass, bro. I took that COVID-19, I punched him in the eye and said, fuck you. We're going to fight this out, me and you. It's going to be me and you. Yeah, and I got better quicker than anybody that they've seen, at least at St. Joe's Hospital. Hell yeah. Um, my whole total experience in their dog was eight nights. Uh, my ninth day, I was discharged. Uh, it took me a long time to get home. People don't want to come pick you up. You know, when you got COVID-19, mm, mm -hmm. um, I have vouchers from the hospital for Lyft and for uh, Uber. They ain't fucking with COVID-19 people. Right. So, you know, they, they were they were totally justified. Hey, I don't know if I would have picked my ass up either. So it took me a good five hours to find my way out of the, out of the hospital, man. Uh, my wife, who's a gangster, she was supposed to be at the crib in quarantine. She said, fuck it, I'm coming to get you. So my baby shows up. She got four uh, scarves wrapped around her face. I'm like, is that you under there? She looked like uh, she looked like Kenny, that little boy who got his face all hidden up. She got oh, a yeah. hood on. She looked like Kenny from South Park. I think it's Kenny, little ass. Yeah. Uh, she's like, fuck these people. I'm going to pick you up. So my wife picks me up. I got an oxygen machine with me. And one last thing I did on my way out, I made the girl wheeling me out. They didn't want me walking. You know, I was real weak. I lost 20 pounds through this whole thing. Mm. I'm at the lightest I've been since my 20s. I weigh 199 pounds right now. Uh, five years ago, I was 267. Mm. So I lost, you know, I lost 20 pounds of this experience. Um, I'm on oxygen but I'm getting sent home. Um, basically, they call me. Uh, my head charge nurse called me on a, see, on Saturday morning and said, hey, man, 14 days after your first symptom, you're no longer contagious. You can go hang out with your family. Mm. 
Well, I had a phone appointment set up for yesterday, which was Tuesday, with my actual doctor, not a, not a nurse. So I figured she might know a little more. So I spent three additional days in my room just to keep my family safe. Uh, I had the phone call yesterday morning with my doc. Um, she was blown away by my recovery. Um, apparently, um, I broke a record in St. Joseph's Hospital. I'm the first person that got intubated and later was extubated because of progress. Wow. Anybody else, at least in this one hospital, that has been hooked up to ventilators and the feeding tubes and the breathing apparatus, any of them are either still on it six and eight weeks later, they're still basically in a, in a induced coma or they're sedated or else they're up, but they're not doing much and they're still on these ventilators. I'm the only one to have these machines removed because of progress. Everybody else is still on it or they die. Wow. So if, what Straight would, up. that's, that's amazing. Like absolutely amazing. What would you say to uh, the medical professionals who are in that care unit? If you could talk to them. <clears throat> well, on the way out the door, I'll tell you exactly what I told them. Um, we had to weave our way down two different floors um, to get to the main elevator. I made my nurse wheeling me out stop at every nurse station. And this is even people that weren't talking to me or dealing with me. They weren't even my nurses. Um, you kind of have a little section of where your room's at and those nurses deal with you. I made her stop at every single nurse station so I could thank whoever was there. Hey, listen, I wanted to tell you that you people saved my life. I'm forever grateful. And what you guys are doing here is a thankless job, but it's an amazing job. And you guys, you guys are the heroes of this whole thing. I made a stop at every nurse station. I told everybody, thank you um, for what you're doing. And we appreciate you no matter if people are showing it or not. She was a little irritated. We hit about eight nurse stations on the way down. So. <laughs> yeah, but, but to anybody out there that's a nurse, that's a doctor, that's an intake person, I don't care if you're the security guard at the hospital, these people are taking chances that other people won't take. Um, they're doing things that other people won't do. I don't. I couldn't get family to come and pick me up with a ride home with me in the back seat or laying in the bed of the truck. I told one of my cousins, yo, give me 37 blankets. I'm going to lay down in the back of your truck, and you don't even have to breathe the same air. His wife told him, no, I don't know what kind of bullshit that is. Mm. But, you know... These people are charging in head first every day. It doesn't matter that there's COVID-19 patients. They're coming to work, and they're taking their precautions, and they're living like animals in their vehicles in the parking garage because they love their job. And they're the most amazing set of human beings, uh, you know, right up there next to the police and, and, to, and to EMTs and any sort of first responder. Um, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be anti-police. But when I gave up religion and decided I needed to be a better person, I stopped lying and stuff like that. I started showing an appreciation for people that I never had before. I started reading books again. Um, I started appreciating artwork again. Uh, I was an avid reader. I was always in trouble at home as a little boy, and I was always grounded. So... Um, 
at any rate, though, bro, what I would say to any first responder, mostly these nurses and stuff during this this, this pandemic, is that it's a thankless job, but I fucking love every last one of you for putting yourselves on the line to save people. Um, it's incredible to me, bro. I've never seen such selflessness. Um, I've never seen... These people are basically jumping in front of shots. They at the firing range jumping in front of that paper every day. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, all I can do is send my utmost love and respect to anybody that's working with this shit, whether it be doctors, nurses, like I said, the security guy at the hospital. Um, they, they're doing the they're doing the most amazing thing that you can do to help humanity, and I will forever be grateful. Um, I've got a handful of pictures that my little kids have drawn that um, I just got to call back and get the unit number again, but I've got a handful of, of pictures that my kids are sending that they drew with their crayons and stuff, thinking, you know, my wife put them up to it, you know, because kids aren't always that thoughtful, it's just cool, mm -hmm. but my wife, uh, she had said, hey, let's write some letters and let's draw some pictures thanking the people who took care of your dad. So I've got... Um, I've got six or seven little notes, pictures and crayons and markers and shit that my kids made that we're going to be sending over to the nursing unit. You know, I don't know if they're going to be paranoid or if they're going to want to wipe them down or if they're not accepting mail from, from, from just your average person, you know, because of the virus thing. And it, hell, the virus even survives on paper for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't blame them if they throw them in the trash, but I've got a handful of letters and pictures that we're going to be sending into the ICU tomorrow morning. So I hope they get them. I hope they realize what they're doing is amazing. And it's, it's unheard of. It's, um, it's been mind blowing, bro. Man. Well, I'm happy for you and your family that you're able to be on the road to a full recovery. <laughs> Still got a little bit of oxygen, nagging cough, but, but man, that's, that's just powerful for you to be able to just sit up, you know, find the strength and, and move on. And it just comes from your story, you know, and your story, you're, you're one of the ones you're, you're changing the history. You know, you got a generational issue of alcoholics and deadbeats and abuse and to be able to internalize that and, and just output the exact opposite. That's, that's how we leave, leave our legacy onto our kids. And like I said, my story, we got a lot of parallels, bro, a lot. And I'm trying to do the exact same thing for my legacy to be something completely different for the stories people tell about me. And, you know, not that you need my validation, but you are a success story because I feel I'm a success story. So, man, I really, Absolutely, really, bro. really appreciate you coming on and sharing. And I definitely want to do this again. Hey, man, absolutely. I know it was a long one, brother. I know it's been a couple hours. We've been chopping it up, but I've really enjoyed this, man. I've enjoyed... Um, my wife is kind of one of the only people that knows about a lot of shit that I've been through with the beatings and the, the mild case of PTSD from, from carrying guns and, and getting involved in a couple shootouts and, you know, uh, drive-bys and stupid shit we've done. You know, I won't disclose that kind of stuff, but it, it happened and it's been... It's in the mix. It's all part of what made me who I am. So um, I thank you for showing interest. Um, not a lot of people, you know, um, I, I agree with you. Uh, as selfish as it sounds, I do feel like I'm a success story. I do feel like I went from being a, an asshole and a bum and, and an abused person to someone that can stand up for themselves and someone that can 
that can recognize that I can change and I can become a better person. And, um, you know, I just, I want to thank you for having me on brother. Um, you know, one thing I want to get out real quick, bro, before I let you go. And I think this is the most important thing. For sure. I'm no doctor and this is no medical advice, but if you're concerned about this virus, uh, this is to all the people in the service industry who can't go to work right now, whether that be if you're a barber or a bartender, I've got a lot of friends in the industry from working in clubs since 2012. I know a lot of bartenders, DJs, servers, bottle girls. Um, cut the shit with the day drinking and thinking it's cute. Cut the shit with the vaping and the cigarettes and the and the, uh, smoking weed. Because, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I never had a cough or a fever through my whole ordeal. But my cost right now is because I quit smoking weed. I've been a 30-year pothead. Um, I've quit a couple times for probation, you know, stuff like that. But I quit smoking uh, about three weeks ago. So I'm kind of dispelling, you know, some of the nasty stuff from my chest. Um, this cough has never come from the COVID. Um, <laughs> one thing also I want to push, stay off the day drinking because you're compromising your immune system. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bro, yeah, but yeah. Before we before we um, cut out of here, I was just saying the exact same thing. To I got a group of veterans that we get together and, and just you know make sure no one puts an extra hole in themselves because vets got problems. But yeah, the, yeah I said man. the exact same thing. Somebody said, "Oh, today's National Beer Day. Uh, who's gonna have a beer?" I was like, uh, "It's the middle of the day." And how many vegetables did you have to get your immune system strong? <laughs> I said like that exact same thing. Yo, and there you go. You just hit it. Clean eating, carbs. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got a great metabolism. Carbs and sugar equal inflammation. Yes, sir. So if even if you have a small ailment like a, a smashed pinky toe, inflammation will get to you no matter what's your ailment. Yes, sir. So if you're worried about your upper respiratory, if you're worried about staying healthy, cut the shit with the drink and build up your immune system. Do what you can to eat clean, vitamin up, and stop smoking whatever it is you're smoking. I don't care if it's vape. Spice, weed, cigarettes. Let your body heal. Let your body be ready for this thing if it comes for you. Health. You know what I'm saying? Yep, health. And, and that's my only advice, bro. Four things. Vitamins, eat clean, stop the drinking, stop fucking around with that, and quit smoking. Hell Other yeah. than that, bro, that's my word of advice. Everybody stay your fuck safe. I don't know who's going to hear this. Um, but please stay safe out there, people. Wash your fucking hands. It ain't about you. It's about you taking this shit home to grandma. It's about you, younger cats who are healthy, taking this shit to people who aren't. Don't worry about you and if you're going to catch it. You worry about going to grandma's house. You worry about taking your mother shopping. You go get the fucking groceries for her. Don't take mama outside. Go drop them off with gloves. So that is where my phone died. 